0: Hello everyone, it's Jessica and I'm so glad you're here for another amazing episode. Today we're talking a lot about marriage and in honor of Mother's Day coming up, happy Mother's Day everybody, I wanted to honor the institution of marriage and I just think that a great marriage cannot be underestimated when it comes to modeling healthy relationships for our kids. And so my guest today is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and she is the CEO of Marriage Helper, an incredible marriage resource that does in-person and virtual marriage support. They have tons of resources available but they are celebrating more than a 70% success rate of saving marriages. We talk about marriages that are in trouble that come in for help and also why you should strengthen your marriage when it's already going well and why you should be proactive in that. She's also a mom and we're going to talk about that, but I know that you're going to walk away with some concrete tips to help you in your own marriage today. So whether you have a great marriage and you're just wanting to strengthen it, or you are in a hard place and you're wanting to fix it, Marriage Helper might be the answer for you and definitely this podcast is for you. Now let's get to it with Kimberly. All right. I'm so excited to be chatting with Kimberly Beam Holmes. Hi, Kimberly.
1: Hey, I'm so excited to be here with you, Jessica. Thank you. I'm so
0: excited too. Where am I speaking to you from?
1: I live just south of Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Awesome. I've been talking to a lot of people who have either moved recently to the Nashville area Uh, or are from there, but that's kind of more of a rare person that's from there. Are you from there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I was not born and raised here, but we did move here when I was 12 years old. So in that sense, a lot of people would say I'm, I'm considered...
0: Yeah. An OG. <laughs> that feels pretty that feels pretty long term. So I feel I feel good yes. about that. We'll give it to you. We'll feel good. We'll give it to you. That's awesome. Well, I'm so excited to be chatting you, with you this morning. Our topic is largely gonna be focused around the idea of of marriage and that relationship, which I think is such an important thing to model for mm-hmm. our kids. It's not only just for Absolutely. ourselves, but what are we showing our kids is a healthy relationship, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah,
0: but for people that don't know you yet, Kimberly, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I have been married at at the point of our recording just over 11 years to my husband named Rob. For the first seven years of our marriage, we were a military couple, really? so he was in the military, I was not, but we moved all around the world for seven years. And uh, we, three years ago, brought home our two children from India, and they are the joys of our lives. Their names are Eliana and Arrow, and they are fantastic.
0: Amazing. And was adoption on your radar? How did that transpire for you guys?
1: Yeah, we always knew we wanted to adopt. When Rob and I started dating, I had just gotten back from a mission trip to India where I had spent about a month at an orphanage over there. And came back just in love with the people, the culture, the children. And so on our first date, I actually said to him, just so you know, one day I'm adopting from India. So if you're Mm. not good with that, then we don't even need to continue this relationship. Which now you see so many people like dating coaches on Instagram and stuff talking about how you should never talk about wanting kids on the first date. Well, I, I didn't talk about wanting kids. I just said, this is what I'm doing at some point in life. So. If it's a deal breaker, then it needs to end now. Yeah. Uh, And he was totally, he's like, yeah, absolutely. Cool. So we always knew that we wanted to adopt. And then we started that process uh, in 2017. And it took about a year and a half from when we started to when we brought them home. And it was the hardest year and a half of my life. Mm. And, um, especially after we saw their, their faces and their pictures, because in our process, we didn't actually meet our children until the day we brought them home with us from the orphanage. So everything else was just a video and two pictures of our kids. That's all we had once we were matched with them. And, um, there's just so much you have to go through. You have to pass a court process and and all the things, but it all happened. We went to go get them. And then we, we've started the bonding cycle and attachment and man, like you learn so much about yourself and about love and about sacrifice and about being intentional with, with how you treat other people when you're, when you're taking two children who have never had parents Mm. and trying to show them that you love them when they've never experienced that. It was an amazing, it's been an amazing process. It's been hard, uh, but it's been so, so amazing.
0: Yeah. I could only imagine that longing from once you see those faces to being like, yeah, I can love them now. I want to love yeah. them now. And how old were they when you brought them home?
1: They were four and two when we brought them home.
0: Wow unbelievable and so what did you learn about attachment because here your whole background is on relationships and being intentional in a marriage capacity Mm -hmm. and so I'm sure that research helped play into building those bonds and that connection and that rapport with with children Mm -hmm. that you know are coming from a foreign environment literally into your home Mm -hmm. what what kind of transferred over in that respect And, and what was different in building that bond with your children
1: yeah you know so with with my son specifically, because he had been in his orf- in the orphanage his whole life, he went from the hospital at birth right into the orphanage. He had never had someone really holding him. They told us the day we got them from the orphanage, you know we tried not to pick him up too much or hold him too much because we didn't want him to attach to us. And so my son, he would have these night terrors, especially the first two weeks that we had him when we were still in India in the hotel room at 2 a.m. He would wake up just screaming, crying. And I would go and I would pick him up and he would physically just push me away. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be held. He didn't He didn't trust being held. He he wasn't used to that. And when we brought him home, uh, when we finally got home to, to our home here, he just would not look me in the eye which if you know anything about attachment theory and just attachment in general that's that's one of the first things that you that you look for eye contact is a is a first step of attachment and he just wouldn't and so i had to take cheerios and i would just place them in front of my eyes until he would look at me mm-hmm. so that he could see I'm meeting the needs that you have. I'm going to be here for you. And then and then I'd hand him the Cheerio and he'd eat it. And I did that for months, for months, until he would finally on his own look me in the eye. And then he'd start mimicking facial expressions and then, you know, be not pushing me away when I was trying to hold him. And so over time, what I what I saw play out with my son is the same thing I knew to be true in relationships, which is people want to know you're gonna be there for them. They want to know that you're going to meet their needs, that you're going to help them meet their needs. That's how we feel secure. That's how we build love towards another person. That's how attachment forms. And so taking that same mindset, even though it might look different with my husband, you know, there are things that my husband struggles with or goes through. And when I'm intentional about letting him know I see him. I, I'm here for him, I support him. I'm even gonna slow down on my end in order for him to feel more comforted and encouraged. That just builds the trust and the attachment and the security and the relationship even more. Mm. So that's one way that it played out in how I see marriages and relationships.
0: Hey everyone, I want to thank a show sponsor, and that is Parent Educate. While we're on the thought process of wanting to make improvements and learn more and grow, parenteducate.com is the go-to provider of research-based online parenting courses. These are science-backed courses, and they contain the same info as those taken by early childhood teachers, but for some reason, they don't offer any of that when they just send us home with a baby at the hospital, right? Right. They have an ever-growing catalog of courses that include 100-plus engaging online courses covering a variety of topics, anything you're interested in, from behavior, development, nutrition, play safety, and more. These first three years of your child's life are incredibly important in terms of brain development, socialization, and your positive discipline techniques and parenting approaches and just wisdom and feeling like I've got this that can be a game changer for your kids. The other cool thing is Parent Educates courses. They only take about 20 to 30 minutes to complete. So you could feel so empowered whatever area you're feeling weak in when you take these courses that are available 24/7 for you. Plus, every month there's new courses being added, which is so cool. So it might be a great Mother's Day gift or a thoughtful gift for a teacher. But I'm so excited because Parent Educate is going to give 20% off the first month of a monthly subscription plan. For listeners of our show, that's parenteducate.com and enter coupon code EMP at checkout for 20% off the first month of a monthly subscription plan. For listeners, that's EMP at checkout and go to parenteducate.com. Now let's keep going with Kimberly. And for an adult brain where you're like, it's going to take time to build trust, but you under kind of understand that incrementally it, it builds and you, you can feel that safety and that trust along the way, even before it's been fully proven for kids, especially kids that were raised in an orphanage where, Oh, that's heartbreaking to think they didn't want to hug him simply because Mm -hmm. they didn't want him getting attached. And here now it's, flip-flops. You want him to attach, Mm. to feel safe, to feel secure, to feel like he's never going to leave. Right. Right.
1: We're never going to leave him. Yes,
0: that's right. Mm. That's right. And so how do you help kids who feel insecure? Maybe it's like you've just moved and they're in a new school environment. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a big transition like adoption, but our Mm. kids are constantly, I remember when we moved Most recently, my son was starting a new soccer team, and he was seven years old, and here I'm pushing him out onto the field, go out with these new kids you've never seen, listen to this coach you've never been with, like, come on, you can do this, like, they're safe people, and I'm telling him that with my words, but Mm -hmm. he feels out of his element, he feels insecure, he he does not have that proof yet. Mm -hmm. What would you say in helping our kids to do that and trust incrementally? and just trust that cheerio that's right in front of their face and just one step at yeah. a time build that.
1: Yeah. So much of of the process of of trust and and having confidence to try new things, all of those, all of that comes from feeling seen and heard. It's kind of like what I said before, but what I would say to that is it's so important to stay curious about mm-hmm. our kids. I talk about this a lot with with uh, our spouse, like so mm. I had the researcher Dr. John Gottman, I don't know if you're familiar Love with him. Love him. Yes. I had him on my podcast a couple months ago and I asked him what is the best thing? What is the number one thing you would say is the key to a long-lasting relationship? And I believe this applies with marriage and with our kids. And he said it's staying curious keep asking questions, keep wondering, why do you feel that way? What stories in your life have led you to feel that way? And, and so I believe it's the same with our kids. How do we stay curious when they're worried about something, when they're excited about something, when they're upset about something, really taking it, slowing down at that moment, leaning in and, and trying to further understand why, Mm. because so many times when they can just flesh it out with their own words, if they're old enough, if they can just feel heard, if they can just feel, you know what, I've been able to say my feelings and I have support back that gives them confidence that they need to go out and do the next thing or try new things. Um, But that's just one simple thing. It's definitely not the total answer. My, my experience and expertise is not necessarily in parenting, Mm -hmm. but I always try and take the relationship marriage relationship things and research that I know and ask How do we apply it to our kids? Because I believe so much of it is transferable because a great marriage relationship is the underpinning of the same skills you need for great relationships in life.
0: Yeah, exactly. And when your kids can see you and your spouse modeling, you know, great conflict resolution and healthy, you know, boundary setting and distribution of labor, like all of these things They're picking Mm -hmm. up on that and they're going to emulate a lot of it and hopefully realize, okay, how can I, if they're seeing not great stuff, be aware mm-hmm. like, huh, that doesn't feel right to me and, and make, make those changes. But those aren't the people that listen to my podcast. My people that listen to my podcast are amazing. So
1: <laughs> amazing listeners. Amazing I know listeners, they, they
0: all are, but you have over 20 years of experience in the field of helping people with their marriages. You're the CEO of marriage helper. Tell me what marriage helper is and kind of the scope of the work that you do.
1: Yes. So marriage helper, our, our mission is to support, save, and strengthen marriages to last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it started back in 1999 with the development of a three-day workshop specifically for marriages in crisis. And that workshop is what has now been around for over 20, we're on our 23rd year, and it has over a 70% success rate at Saving Marriages, and so what we have really done over the past 23 years as an organization, I've been with marriage helper for ten I've been so I've been in the field for ten uh, just over a decade of that. Mm. but we we have said we know that marriage is important. We know that there are so many people out there experiencing either separation or divorce or even just being stuck in an unhappy marriage and it's it's affecting everything about society. it's affecting family life, it's affecting kids, it's affecting what they want to grow up and experience. So many people now, when we when we look at the millennials and the generation coming under them, a lot of them are saying, we don't want to get married because we saw the pain that our parents went through and we don't want to have to experience that. Well, we're seeing how a lot of that affects society in many different ways that I won't get into. But the overall... So what, is, so what does Marriage Helper do? I'm getting off base. So Marriage Helper has gotten... We have developed tools, research and resources, all research based on how to have a great marriage. But it's all been so far from the perspective of how do I fix my marriage or how do I save my marriage? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, everything that we teach, you could copy, paste it and apply it to an engaged couple or a couple who just got married, a couple just looking for enrichment. It's just that what we have found, unfortunately, is that most people don't want to invest in taking the time or the energy to really focus on their marriage until something goes wrong. Yeah. We would love and we want to see a shift happen in that. How do we become more proactive in cultivating an amazing marriage and amazing parenting skills and all of that before we have to experience the pain and heartache of problems that arise?
0: Yeah. And on the show, in lots of different contexts, we talk a lot about discomfort and how, A lot of, like, life is full of discomfort, and sometimes we're unwilling to trade one version of discomfort for another simply because we don't, like, change, right? And so for people that are struggling in their marriage, and there's discomfort, there's some some Mm -hmm. people, like, choose to stick with resentment over stick with the discomfort of trying something different, of Mm -hmm. going to therapy, of... Like bringing up a conversation that's hard, you know we mm-hmm. sometimes we have to step out of that discomfort, but it's like if it's gonna hurt either way, what if we could choose a little bit more productive type of discomfort versus just sticking with the resentment piece? Do you see people sticking with that for way too long?
1: Oh, for sure, yeah, <laughs>
0: there's <I bet.
1: laughs> yeah, it's interesting too, right, because I think some people have to get to where the pain is so acute or the pain is just i'm 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 kind of akinning it to like a physical ailment right yeah. like sometimes you just get to the point where it's so dull and you've had it for so long that you're just like eh I'll live with it because it's not hurting enough right now mm-hmm. for me to take the time out of my day or out of my life to go and go to physical therapy or go to the doctor and do something about it whereas if it's this like not mind numbing sharp aching happening all the time where you can't go through your daily life because now you can't it's the pain is so great that you have to do something about it. that's typically when people do something about it, but wouldn't it wouldn't it be so much better to not have to live with the dull ache every single day? Mm. I think that's what it I think that's what it boils down to Jessica I think yeah. it's people are are just settling to live with less than because the pain isn't high enough yet for them to actually do something about it.
0: Right. And for what you see, is it typically one person that feels more in that pain than another? Or typically, maybe it's unspoken, but are both people tend to be suffering in a in a troubled relationship?
1: You know, I would say... That well, let's so let's go back to John Gottman and his some of his foundational research that he has about about relationships. So we know from his research, he's boiled it down to there are three reasons that people want out of a relationship, and it's because they either don't feel liked, loved, or respected. Mm-hmm. So all of the things we hear like in law issues, sex differences, uh, you know, parenting issues, like all of that can boil down to or financial issues. That's another big one we hear, right? Mm-hmm. Those aren't the reasons that people want to divorce. It boils down to there's something that's happening where one or both people don't feel like they are liked, loved, or respected. That is going to appear to some degree in both people in a relationship because no person is perfect. I am not the perfect wife. My husband is not the perfect husband. However, we are in a situation now or in a place in our marriage now where at least we're aware of those things. So we're asking ourselves on a constant basis, am I showing the other person that I like them, love them or respect them? But I would say, especially when uh, a marriage hasn't been focusing on this or if it's a marriage in crisis, then there's probably going to be both people that are feeling this way. But one of them probably feels it to a a greater extent than another, Mm -hmm. even though both people are feeling it. Because it's typically when someone gets to their breaking point of, I'm just so done, not feeling liked, loved, or respected, that that's the person who says, I'm out. Mm -hmm. So their pain has gotten so high, and unfortunately that pain has been associated with their spouse, that they've said, I am going to do something about this, but it's not going to be leaning in and trying to save it. It's going to be leaning out and trying to get away. So that's typically when a person will come to us and they'll say, I want to save my marriage, but my spouse is out. Maybe it's that their spouse has gotten involved in an affair. We see a lot of that. And when we look at the research, 30 to 50% of marriages are going to be affected by an affair. Mm. Um, So that's very common. We also just see it's control issues. And a lot of times we see this with a wife who for so many years Her husband has told her what she can do, what she shouldn't do, told her what she can spend, what she can't spend, Um, just treated her in a way that has said to her, even if he didn't mean it, the message has been, you need to act or look or be a certain way in order for me to love you. Mm -hmm. And the wife finally has gotten to the point where she says, I'm done. I've told you I'm unhappy, and she probably has for probably a couple of years, if not maybe some decades. The wife has been saying something has to change. I'm not getting my needs met. I don't feel like you're listening to me. I don't feel like we have intimacy anymore. I don't feel like you're my best friend. I feel like we're just going through life and the husband doesn't listen until finally the wife says, I'm done. Mm. I'm done. And so that's why we see from the research, most, a lot of women will file for divorce before a man, mm-hmm. and the unfortunate part of that is it's because they get to a point where they're saying, I'm I'm not listened to, and so I'm done. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of those husbands who are coming to us, and they're saying, she said for years that she was done, and I didn't listen, and now she's done. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And so we work with these people in all of those different situations to say, okay, well, here's the principles of how to have a great marriage. And let's start with focusing on changing you and what you have control over and what you do.
0: Right. And I think that is so important that we can only change ourselves. And so many times these dysfunctional relationships that we might find ourselves in, it's because we're trying to change that other person. And we're thinking they'll be different. And maybe for a short time, they might. They might change for us because they just want to make it work. But that's not sustainable. We can only change ourselves. Something I'm sure that you hear a lot and I've heard from many, many friends is I want to stay for the kids, Mm, right? I want to stay for the kids. And they think that their own misery and their own pain and their own not feeling liked, loved or respected. I think those, that's a really powerful list that you listed out from Gottman. They think that's not enough because maybe he's a great dad, right? So Mm. what do you tell those women that want to stay for the kids? Mm. Yeah. So,
1: To some extent, well, let me reframe it first. I do think it is important to want to try and have a great or to, to create a great marriage, to create a great marriage relationship for the kids. Mm -hmm. And we know from research that it is important and, and the best, the best scenario for a child to grow up in a home with both parents. So I did my. I'm getting my PhD now, but when I was doing my master's, I did my thesis on the effects of divorce on children. And what was very clear from all the meta analyses that I did of the research is the bet is that the worst thing that can happen for kids is that their parents divorce but continue in high conflict. Situation, So they continue Mm. fighting all the time. They continue talking bad about each other. There continues to be high conflict, which unfortunately for the majority of people who end up divorcing, they continue to have high conflict. Mm. That's the worst thing that can happen for a child. The best thing that could happen for a child, of course, is that they stay together. And even if there's high conflict, that the child is able to see resolution of conflict, that the child is able to see my parents, yes, they got in a fight about something, but I also was able to see how they came back together and dealt with it, how they, even if they'd never agreed on it, how they could still come back and either apologize or treat each other with respect. Like that is the best thing that a child could see, how to go through the ups and the downs of a a committed relationship and stay committed to it. Now, what's kind of that middle ground is we're just going to keep going through the day-to-day motion and because we want to keep the kids together in the same house. It's not necessarily the worst. It's definitely not the best because your kids feel that. They know when mom and dad aren't on the same page. They They can see it from how you interact with each other, but they probably also feel it because there's probably different messages from both parents. You know, maybe it's a situation where the mom is like, listen, I know your dad's not around all the time, but I am, I have to take on all the burden. Why isn't he around more? And these are just kind of things a mom may say, but it's painting a picture in these kids mind of their dad. And maybe their dad isn't a, isn't a great person, but wait, he's my dad and and I come from him. So does that make me not a great person? Or, you know, it could be, it could be the opposite. And so, There's just so much to consider in, yes, like, you want to stay together for the kids, but you don't want to just stay together and continue to have an unhappy marriage. You want to cultivate a great marriage because that's what your kids are going to emulate going forward in their lives.
0: I could not agree more. And that is such a hard line to know what to share with your kids and whatnot. But what I love what you just said, Kimberly, is – that, like, they're picking up on the vibe. They're picking up on, like, the temperature of the home. And so it's no secret if mom and dad are in a fight, even if you're not directly fighting in front of them. But Mm -hmm. when we conceal the repair, when we conceal the fight so much so that they don't truly know what's going on and they're creating, like, a narrative in their head that may or may not actually be accurate, and then certainly they're not seeing the repair part, Mm -hmm. that's probably going to do more harm than anything. So how do we know what... And how to share with our kids so that they are a part of seeing that healthy part of of the modeling without, you know, over uh, over sharing or over involving them in in adult matters. Yeah,
1: that's a great question. And so much of it is age specific, the age and maturity level of a child. I mean, I think that's where we Mm -hmm. always have to start. But even with... um, So, my kids, they're seven and five. And there has been, you know, there have been a couple of times that Rob and I have gotten in a fight and we've just been angry at each other. And it maybe lasted for a couple of hours. And we've both, maybe not together, but I know that I've definitely gone to my kids and said to them afterwards, I've said, after I've calmed down, I've gone to them and I've said, hey, listen, I know that. Uh, you heard mommy and daddy fighting, and I am not mad at you, and I'm actually not even mad at daddy. We just disagreed about something, but we didn't handle it well, mm-hmm. and I want to show you that we, you know, what we should do at this point, what I'm going to do at this point is I'm going to go back to him, and I'm going to say, you know, let's talk this out, but we also do are sure to do that in front of our kids, like kind of our, we don't love fighting... <laughs> love fighting in front of our kids. Right. But of course, sometimes it happens. Like we're on our way to church or to out to eat and we get in some kind of disagreement, but especially if we do that in front of our kids, then we want to repair in front of our kids. Yeah. And even if it's not like, Hey, sit down and watch us do this. We don't want to just hide the repair. We want them to see us like either, even just, even just having your kids see you sit down together at the kitchen table and talk it out that can be helpful for them to see, Hey, you know, they're doing this for them to see you hug at the end of the day or at the Mm. end of, of kind of repairing from a disagreement. Like those things are good because what that is going to teach them is how to fight with you. Like as they get older, Mm. right. They, if they only see that you and your husband or, you know, in my case, me and my husband are just fighting all the time, then That's probably going to be more how they take out their feelings that they don't know how to deal with or their anger as they become teenagers or even adults. So how can we help by modeling show our kids like how do you deal with difficult conversations? How do we take deep breaths? How do we come back and and talk about it in a respectful and healthy way? How do we come back and say to the person, even though I don't agree with what you're saying or even though I don't agree with your actions, I still love you and I'm committed to you no matter what. That's going to give them security even in, in as they get older, knowing, you know what? My mom and dad are going to be on my side. Even if they don't agree with me or everything I do, they're always going to love me and be there for me.
0: So good, Kimberly. You should do this for a living. You're good. I love this. <laughs> so Maybe you should. Maybe <laughs> you should. Yeah. Love this so, so much. What would you tell a couple – If there's a a woman listening or you're talking to me and my husband and I communicate differently. And especially when Mm -hmm. we're approaching conflict or approaching a disagreement, I shut down. I ice out. I just think, and I think it's all my fault all the time. Like, that's just like where I go to. And my husband's a lawyer. And so he's Mm -hmm. like well-spoken and can think on his feet for his profession. Right? And so like our skill set is not the same and our temperament's not the same and the way we choose and naturally express ourselves as different, so yeah how how do you yeah, coach people through when they have different communication styles to come to come together in a positive way?
1: yes, first of all, the awareness of the fact that wait a minute, my husband isn't exactly like me, yeah, so the way that he responds and processes, even just having the awareness of that going in can bring a little bit of relief. Uh, that, you know, you're not crazy and maybe your spouse isn't crazy either. You just see things differently. So me and my husband are insanely different Mm -hmm. in everything. We uh, are at Marriage Helper, the assessment, the personality temperament assessment that we use most is the DISC profile. So for your listeners that aren't familiar with that, really quickly, the way that DISC works, it's D-I-S-C. You basically ask yourself, am I someone who is more cool and standoffish when I'm, when I'm meeting new people, or am I more warm and friendly? And that puts you on kind of one, one side of this four quadrant model. And then the second question is, am I a more slow paced person? Do I need more time to process or am I very, am I a very fast processor? Hmm. And so based on your answers to that, you fall into one of four quadrants. So someone who is more cold and distant and a fast processor is what we call a D, they're a dominant. So they're more task focused, they're uh, a little bit more logical, but they also like to get things done really quickly. The next one of that is someone who's still or uh, still more fast paced, but they're more warm and friendly. This is what we call an I, this is an, an influencer. Uh, there's a couple of other I words that sometimes used for it. But this person is like warm and friendly, bubbly, but also the life of the party and loves to get things done quickly, very spontaneous. So that that's that kind of person. They're more relational than their D counterpart, uh, but they're still very fast paced. For someone who's more slow paced and warm and friendly, we call this an S. So this is a steady. And this person, um, they they're more laid back. Time is kind of relative to them. They're more family oriented people and they need time to process. They're very conflict avoidant. And then uh, the final one is the C, which is a calculator, and that person is very logical. So they are cool and distant and are slow processors. So these are very analytical types. They are all about the details, all about following the rules, all about all of that. Now, all of us typically have one of these that are that's our dominant, but we also typically have a secondary as well. So as an example, I am a DI, so I'm a very fast-paced person in general, and I tend to lean more on the side of tasks than, uh, than relationship, but I still can be very warm and bubbly and all of those things, very emotional person. My husband is a C, so he's very logical. He needs more time to process things. Um, and so when we when we disagree about things, I'm the one who wants to fix it now. We've got to talk about this now. We have to approach it now. We need to get it done now. And I bring my emotions into it. I feel this way. I have a lot of feelings about this. And here's why I feel this way. And my husband is in, in the camp of Let's look at the rules. Let's look at the logic. Logically, your emotions don't make sense to me. Mm -hmm. Here's why your emotions Mm -hmm. don't make sense to me. And he also needs some time to process it. And so once I realized that about him, it's not that he's just mean. It's not that he can just be a jerk. It's that he actually needs time to process things. And he's going to view it from a logical sense. That's how he's wired. That's how he's been created. Then I know if I'm going to approach him about something, I need to do it in a certain way. I need to present the facts. Here's what's going on. I can present my emotions later, but it needs to lead with how mm. he thinks and how he processes. He knows that when he's coming to me that I'm going to lead more with emotions. I'm going to want to fix things a little quicker. So he knows to come to me and, and give me time to process some emotions, knowing that he doesn't have to fix it, but I just need to vent my emotions. But then also allowing, you know, if, If there needs to be an answer to say, we're not going to, you know, my timeline isn't to fix this today. We can't fix this today, but you know, in the next week, let's look at coming to some kind of agreement. So we try Mm -hmm. and figure out a way to balance those two things. So that's a very long winded answer. I had a lot of information that I gave in there, but your main question was how do we balance these differences? You figure out how do I speak to my spouse in a way that they will best hear me. So it, it transitions from how do I talk just to be understood and typically when we come at a situation from that standpoint from that mindset we end up just talking more and more and louder and louder to try and get our point across and it doesn't Mm -hmm. work whereas if we come to it from that mindset of how can I speak to them so that they can best understand me then we're really doing the best that we can and the best work in having a productive outcome
0: oh boy that is so good. And, you're, and I'm thinking through situations that I've been in, and I'm like, yeah, I was rehearsing in my mind mm-hmm. the way I was going to share my feelings and my my take and my everything. Never once did I consider, how is that going to be received? Is he going to yeah. hear it that way? And I think the five love languages is kind of, kind of a widely accepted kind of mm-hmm. societal norm. Like people have kind of accepted, oh yeah, people receive love in different ways. But I love this... Thing that you're talking about Kimberly of receiving communication in different ways because obviously people are not feeling loved when they're feeling attacked right mm. and so it's not just oh how can I be generous or show love or show affection or give a gift but it's like if I need to express something that I'm not happy with that's not going well for me is there a way that I can come at that with love yes but in a way that is received in a way that they can receive it it's kind of the same type of of logic. Mm -hmm. So good. I think that is so, so powerful. Oh, amazing. So what is the format of a marriage helper? Like if somebody's thinking, gosh, like maybe I'm not on the brink of divorce, but I really would love to address some things before we get to that point. What's the format? What does marriage helper look like? Do you go in person? Tell me about it.
1: Yes, absolutely. We have several different ways that that we serve the clients that we work with. So we have our first and foremost is the workshop that I talked about. That workshop is a powerful experience for any couple. For couples who, of course, are in crisis, it has an, an amazing turnaround and success rate. But we even have couples come that come for enrichment. So they we ha- we've had one couple come every, uh, they, every year they want to do an enrichment type of thing to just mm. pour back into and invest in their marriage. And we have couples that come in that kind of situation as well it's definitely what we're known for internationally. We have people come and attend that workshop literally all over the world. And now both of those are in person. Well, it, that workshop is offered in person and online. Okay. And so in person, it's in the Nashville, Tennessee area where we live, where you can come to that, or you can join any of them online. It's a three-day workshop that is done over a Typically a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But we also have options for people. We have toolkits that are more of these bite sized topics that we that we do a five to seven part video course that's more situationally specific for people. And then we also have coaching that can be done anywhere in the world with one of our marriage helper certified coaches that can really help people understand how to implement these changes that we teach uh, for people to have in their marriage in order to have even better marriages.
0: Oh, I love the different options and to be honest, the first thing that comes up for me when you talk about this is like is fear. Like this mm-hmm. sounds so hard, Kimberly. This yeah. sounds so uncomfortable. Talk to the person like me that feels like they don't want to go there or they're afraid to go there just to unearth things. Yes.
1: Those things are going to be unearthed at some point. Mm-hmm. If we learned anything from what happened over the past two years. It's that a lot of these couples who had just been pushing things under the rug for years and even just personally taking traumas from their past, maybe even from childhood and pushing it under the rug and not wanting to deal with it. A lot of these things came to a head in 2020 when stress was already high and now you're having to deal with all of the issues in the world, plus in your marriage, plus, 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 so on and so on and so on and then it 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 blew up for a lot of people. Mental health became a huge issue, uh, not having any self-care and just having this constant feeling of either anxiety or depression. You get the picture. Like it's going to come out at some point. And so my encouragement is why not be more proactive Mm -hmm. in, in getting down into those things and really working through what will ultimately make you a happier individual, but also make your relationships the richest that they can be in your life. Yes, there are parts of it that might be uncomfortable, but on the other side of it is so much more freedom and happiness than you could ever imagine.
0: Yeah. And choose your discomfort, right? Like if you're uncomfortable your now, discomfort. it's not working. It's not working now. So what if there's, there's a better way, even if there's some discomfort along the way? Oh, that is, that is so good. For anybody listening today, what is one thing we can do? to strengthen our marriage today, to, to just have a great day with, with our spouse. Do you just have one, one quick tip?
1: Absolutely. I am going to go back to what I said earlier about staying curious. Mm. So what could that look like for your listeners today? Be mindful when you go pick up your kids from school, ask them, don't just ask them, Hey, what did you learn today? But maybe ask them, what is, what's a, what is a hard experience that you had today? How Mm. did that make you feel? What is a great experience you had? What is something you laughed at today? What is what is something you want to do tomorrow? Really be curious. Ah. Really be curious about learning, wanting to learn more about your kids, but also about your spouse. Maybe instead of just asking, you know, how was your day at work? Maybe ask, hey, what is what's something coming up that you're nervous about? Mm. How can I support you? Or or maybe looking long term and saying, what is a dream that you have for your future? Just share that with me.
0: Mm.
1: Just be curious about what the people in your life are experiencing, what they're feeling, what their dreams are, what their fears are and how you can be there for them.
0: So good. So many times we come at conversations with answers or with our own perspective locked in and our own monologue we've already gone through in our mind and we're ready to just spew it out. And Mm -hmm. by starting with the questions with our kids, with our spouses, friends, asking questions and, and having that be what spurs on the conversation, it can just lead you in places, A, you didn't predict, and B, can just be so much less confrontational combative yes, and yes. sometimes you don't even realize so like we've been talking about that awareness piece is so so huge so mm-hmm. where can people find you online Kim how can we sign up for Marriage Helper w- tell me all the things and you have a podcast which is great too
1: Yes, I do. My podcast is It Starts With Attraction, and we talk about the four different areas of attraction in a relationship, so physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. It's super fun. Yeah. Then we also have... Marriage Helper is everywhere. It's on Instagram, it's on uh TikTok, I guess. Um it's so many places, but you can also go to marriagehelper.com. We have a free mini course there that you can sign up, uh how to get your spouse to fall more in love with you. Ooh. So that's uh, about 30 minutes three videos. You can get that for free by going to marriagehelper.com.
0: Amazing. Kimberly, I always ask my guests one final question, and it's relating back to motherhood, and it's this What would you tell your pre motherhood self? Oh. <laughs> I usually get a little bit of laughter and like <laughs> deep breath deep breathing before the answer.
1: Oh man. The first thing that came to mind is I would tell myself to <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna answer it two different ways. The first thing that I would tell myself is to cherish every moment of quiet time that I had <laughs> before becoming a mother. But the the other way that I would answer that is that it's going to be hard and there's gonna be a lot of times that that you are going to question, you know, should I should I be working full time? Should I not should I be a full time? you know, stay at home mom homeschooling, like there's so many different expectations that are out there. Mm -hmm. But to really just cherish the moments, especially even if it's just in the evening of being able to hold and cuddle my children, because that is when everything makes sense.
0: Mm. So good. Kimberly, thank you for taking the time this morning. I love the work you're doing. I think by focusing more on our marriages and not just the family as a whole, but like focus on yourself and what you are contributing to the family, focus on your marriage and how that is impacting the kids and so many more things will fall into place. So thank you for the incredible work that you're doing.
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Jessica. I appreciate it.
0: I love that there's so many different ways to be able to help your marriage. And like she cited, John Gottman has some amazing, amazing books you can read with your partner when Pete started working more uh, further from our home. We both were reading the same Gottman books and then coming back together kind of as a couple's book club, just between the two of us. And it was so powerful to be reading this material and really saying to one another, we are so committed to our marriage. We are so committed to doing whatever we can so the other person feels liked, loved, and respected right? Those are so good. And definitely check out Marriage Helper. I love that they have stuff in person. If you want to take a vacate in Nashville, I think that sounds pretty fun or you can do something virtually, but check that out. Everything's linked at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica JessicaDollQuiz3. Thanks again for following the show and listening in and we'll see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.